Okay. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Come and grab your seat. We'll get started. I hope you all had a wonderful sort of summer time, whatever that involved for you, where you went away. You got out and enjoyed the beautiful weather we're having. Got to see family, friends. I'm here to tell you that's all over. It's September the 1st. Kids go back to school. Have you noticed it's starting to get a bit chillier? Autumn is here, and so lots of exciting things coming back um, church-wise. Next Saturday, not next Saturday, this Saturday, Man versus Fire, for the men to get together, hang out, cook some stuff, enjoy one another's company. If you haven't booked into that, please do that. Uh, the links are on the emails. You can go on, sign up. It's a great opportunity just to ask to hang out and have fun together on a Saturday night, eat some nice food that's going to be cooked for us. Next Sunday, we're starting our new sermon series in the Ten Commandments. Woohoo! Really excited about looking forward um, to teaching that to you. If you're thinking Ten Commandments, what are they again? Have a little check, Exodus 20. Have a little read, Jen up, because probably the first thing I'm going to do at the beginning of next week's sermon is say, can you name all Ten Commandments? Just a little exercise, so maybe you can get ahead of yourself and doing that. But that's not what we're going to do this week. What I want to do this week is just by starting is to remind us, what I try and do at the beginning of every term is remind us what God said to us at church, what we're about, where we're going, and anything particular God is highlighting to us at this moment, this year, to remind us to make sure we're still on the same kind of we're following his direction, we're lined up with where he wants us to go, and we are following it the best we can. So what I want to do today is I'm going to start with a look at our purpose, remind us what we're about as a church, our vision, where we're going, and then a few things um, that God has said to us that I just want to come back to and make sure we're all on the same page as we kind of run down the final few months towards the end of 2019. So first one, purpose, what we're about Our purpose statement in the church says real life is about having a relationship with Jesus, following the model of Jesus, and then changing our world with Jesus. We're all about Jesus here. Hopefully, if you've been here a little while, you will know that. That is what we exist to do. We exist to give everyone uh, in this town, in this city, the nation, the world, an opportunity to get to know Jesus for themselves. We believe he is the most important man who ever lived. Why? Because he wasn't just man. He was fully God as well. He came to earth. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross, um, a death in our place for our sins. And he rose bodily from death. He ascended into heaven and he rules and reigns victorious. And one day he will return and judge all mankind. We believe what the Bible says about him is true. We believe what Jesus said about himself is true. It's not altered or doctored in any way. He really is the most important person who ever lives. And our aim as a church is for everyone to get to know Jesus. If you already know him, great. We want you to get to know him more. If you don't know Jesus, that's what we're here for. We're here and we're unashamed about it. We want you to know Jesus for yourself. And we'll do whatever we can to talk to you about it, to kind of demonstrate in our own life. And hopefully that will then impact you in that. I mean, it's not just something we do here. We want to do it out there in the world where we spend most of our time with the people we know, the people we love, people we work with, the people we live next door to each door to. We want to say, you need to know Jesus for yourself, and that is what we're after. Now, where we're going, our vision, what we're about. Well, we believe God has called us to three things as a local church, and we, we were, when we started the church nearly nine years ago now, um, we felt God speak these things to us. And he, we believe he called us to be a large, influential, reproducing church. What does that mean? Well, let me go through them, remind you. Number one, he called us to be a large church. 
large numerically, to grow numerically. And we, the reason we felt this was because we believe as we read God's word that actually that was the big story of the Bible, the meta-narrative, the big kind of overarching theme. Because in the beginning, it says Jesus made mankind. He made man and woman. He made Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden. What's the first thing he asked them to do? Be fruitful and multiply, it says in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. He wanted them to grow. God loves people. He wanted people. He wanted more of them. What he said to Adam, he would say, it's great, you're here. You're in relationship with me. You're in covenant with me. That's wonderful. I want more. And I want more and more people to know and appreciate and love me and all the goodness that I am. And so as we spoke to them, and then we have the fall, everything goes wrong. And then God goes to a man named Abraham. He pulls him out of where he is kind of lost in his world, worshipping false idols. And God goes and makes a covenant, an agreement with Abraham. And he says to him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make a covenant with you and I'm going to bless your descendants and I will make you a great nation, he says. I'm going to multiply you, which was hysterical because Abraham was old, very old. He didn't have any children and his wife was old and she didn't have any children. In fact, she couldn't have children. And God says, I'm going to make you a great nation and they're going to be what? Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. And God says, I'm going to do that. And then if we follow the story through, we see Abraham has a son, miraculously, Isaac, who has a son, Jacob, who has 12 sons. They go down into Egypt. They grow into a mighty nation. They then come out of Egypt, Moses, plagues, Red Sea, etc. They then go into the promised land under Joshua, and the kingdom is established. So God has made his promise come to pass. From Abraham, suddenly the people of Israel are now a nation established in the promised land. But it doesn't just end there because we have the prophets come and they say to the people of God, actually, you're meant to be a light, not just to the people here, the ethnic descendants of Abraham, but to the Gentiles, which was everybody else round about, all the other nations of the world. You're meant to shine and show the glory and wonder of God. And it says the nations will then flow towards him. And so that's what they're to do. And then we see Jesus come. And Jesus comes and he trains 12 guys for three years. And then we see in teaching and miracles and then he dies on the cross. He rises from dead and he gets them together and their other followers. And he says, what? He says, go into every nation all over the world and make disciples. Tell them all about me. Tell them what I've done. Tell them the good news that man and woman can now have relationship with God and be in relationship with me forever. Jesus says. So suddenly it's gone international from the ethnic descendants to Abraham to the world. And then we carry on reading our New Testament. We find in Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes that those who have faith in Jesus are sons of Abraham. So suddenly that promise given to Abraham applies to everyone who has faith in Christ. It's coming to pass. His descendants will be like the stars in the skies. If you're a follower here of Jesus, when you read Genesis chapter 12, one of those stars was you. You never wanted to be a star? Now you are by faith. Isn't that wonderful? And then we look in the book of Acts and we see the growth of the church, which can only be described as explosive. Suddenly there are 120. The Spirit falls at Pentecost. They add 3,000. And we go through the book of Acts and it just says they multiply and they grow and more and more people come to know Jesus. And then we go to the end of the book in Revelation. And what do we read? The Apostle John has a vision and he sees a throne. And there's someone sitting on the throne, the Lord Jesus. And he says, before the throne, there's what? A great multitude of people 
from every tribe and nation and tongue and language. And they cannot be numbered, he says. They're so vast. There's just so many of them spread out. I can't even begin to number them. God wants a people for himself. God wants more and more people to come to know him. That's why we hear these stories of the gospel going forth all over the world. All the nations that are being affected. More and more people coming to know it. The media would try and tell you the church is dying. It's not working. And some places in the west it might look like that. But in the global south, the church is multiplying exponentially. And more and more people are coming to know God for themselves. So we believe God wants to grow his people, wants to numerically grow us, more and more people to come to know him, to become Christians. And we feel that as a church here, we want to play our part in that. We want to see that. And as we started the church, God gave us particular words saying you were going to grow numerically. And just looking around the room now, bear in mind the kids and the kids team and the youth and the youth team have already gone out. We began with eight adults and a seven-month-old child was our initial team. And look what God's done. He's multiplied. He's grown us numerically. Many people have become Christians here as part of us. Maybe we've come and found a home and a community here. God is fulfilling his word to us. And God spoke to us before we came that this is the kind of thing that would happen. He said you would grow exponentially. You would grow kind of ahead of the curve. You would kind of get bigger and there would be more of you in all that sense. And we felt we were intimidated as heck about that because there were so, so few of us to start with. But we see God is fulfilling his word to us. So we believe God is going to continue to grow and multiply us as our church. Not because we're great, but because he's great. And because he's glorious and he is worth getting to know. The second thing God called us to be is influential. God wants us to be an influential church. Good to our community. Good to those we come into contact with. And if we read the Bible... We find that the story of God's kingdom, the story of God's people is of men and women being used by God and being influential wherever they find themselves. You go back to Genesis and you find one of those sons of Abraham as it comes down, Isaac, Jacob, one of his sons, a guy called Joseph. He ends up becoming from a slave and a prisoner to the prime minister of Egypt, the superpower. And he becomes second only to the pharaoh, the king. And he's suddenly being influential there. And God uses him to save, effectively, the world (laughs) because of the famine that comes across it. And he knows. And we looked at Joseph. If you've never studied Joseph, we did a series through it. You can go and look at that on our website. Have a look at the story of Joseph. We find another one, Daniel, who was an advisor in Babylon. In fact, he was a prisoner, a slave who had been taken from Jerusalem to Babylon, a foreign pagan empire. And he suddenly gets raised up by the grace of God and becomes an advisor to the king. And through his actions, through his faith, the king himself ends up praising the God of Daniel and seeing something. He's been influential in that kingdom. We find a lady, Queen Esther, who's in Persia, who gets raised up, becomes the queen. And God uses her uh, to save the Jews, save his people from certain death. They were facing genocide. And through her faith, her courage, her action, he saves them. There's Nehemiah, who was cupbearer to the king in Persia. And through his actions, through his faith, God uh, sends him back to Jerusalem where he gets to rebuild the wall because Jerusalem had been destroyed at that point. Been undone. It been, you know, it was nothing there. And he went back and he rebuilt the walls and rebuilt the gate of God's kingdom. God used him. They all held power, positions in kind of normal jobs, if you will. But God used them for his kingdom. And we come to the New Testament. And Jesus says to his followers as he's teaching them, he says two things. He says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's what he says, and he's talking to his followers. So there's two things there. One, 
Your salt, what does salt mean? Well, salt brings out flavor and prevents decay. So you, wherever you find yourself, whatever your sphere of influence is, your job, your home, your social group, whatever that is, you are to be an influence there. You are to bring out flavor of life, seeing the goodness and abundance and grace of God in your life. Because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life in abundance, in fullness. You're to do that, but you're also to pre- prevent decay because that's what salt does. It preserves by your life living God's way. You can actually bring preservation to what's happening and prevent the decay of society in the downward spiral. The second thing is, is you're going to be the light. What does light do? Lights shine. They can't help themselves. That's what they do. When lights are on, you can see and people can find their way. So we are to be lights influencing what is happening around us just by our presence in there because Jesus is with us. And as we came to um, start the church, there was a particular passage that was highlighted, which we've kind of come back to again and again in the, the book of Jeremiah and The prophet Jeremiah is speaking to the people of God and they're in a bit of a bad situation because they've been removed from Jerusalem, God's city, in God's kind of the promised land that he'd given them because of their sin and disobedience and it's been utterly destroyed and they're now exiles in a foreign land. And they're like, what the heck is going on? We were over there, but God had warned them again and again and again and finally it said, fine, Jerusalem had been flattened, they'd been taken off to exile, and they were suddenly undone. What do we do with ourselves? We're here, we're in a foreign land, we're not, there's no more temple, there's no more city, there's no more sacrifices. What's going to happen? And the prophet says this to them He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've set from exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, this foreign power. He says, Build homes. Live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. And what God is saying to those exiles who are in Babylon, it says settle down, be in for the long haul, be, be, um, build homes, plant vineyards, have kids, do all the normal things of life, which is just get jobs, get settled, get your kids in school, all those things, and be a positive influence on the city that you're a part of, where I have placed you. And for us, as we came here, we felt very strong. Well, God has placed us in this city, this Babylon, not exactly a godly city, but we are here as God's people, and so we are to settle down and be an influence on this city for his kingdom, his good. We're to buy homes, we're to get jobs, we're to have kids. When they grow up, we're to let them get married, and so on. And we're to be an influence in it. And as a kingdom, that is my, sorry, as a church, that is my heart, that we would be a blessing for the kingdom of God in this place. Whatever God has called you to, whatever your job is, whether you have a, an employed job where you're paid to do something, full-time, part-time, whether you're working voluntarily or you're retired or you're caring for children, whatever it is you God has called you to do, he has called you to be an influence in that sphere for his kingdom and whatever that is you need to approach it being salt and light for there how can i be good in this place how can i be positive influence in this place how can i seek good how can i seek justice how can i show love and generosity and grace and mercy here how can i be positive how does my presence add to this how does my presence make this workplace a better place to be because i'm here working hard doing my job speaking well of the boss serving my clients well Raising my kids well, what it is. And as a church, we have people who cover all aspects 
of kind of of life in this city. We'll have some of you who work in education uh, and teaching and caring for kids. There'll be those of you who work in business and finances and those of you who work in the law and the kind of the, the running, the council um, of this city. There'll be those who love the arts and get involved in that and recreation and leisure. Those who are in the medical professions and caring for people and all the other ones I can't think of that I'm running through in my head. I'm sure there's ones I can't think of, but you know what it is. You're involved in all those things, and we're there to be an influence. We're there to be positive. We're there to be, be good to those places, to love and show generosity to whatever they are and show God's kingdom. We're to seek its good. Because some of the most important things you do do not take place in this room. I love it when we all gather together. I think you should do it. It's important. Do not give, give up the habit of meeting together, it says in Hebrews. But we, if you do sheer tonnage of time, we spend most of it out there, doing stuff, jobs and kids and life and stuff, and that's where God is going to use us most powerfully to be in a positive influence for his kingdom. And that's what we're to be as a church, to show love and grace and generosity there. We do things big as a church that we get involved in. Ryan mentioned a whole bunch of those. But more importantly, because of the sheer um, volume that we can do, we do stuff individually. You might be the only Christian in your workplace or you're on your team or in your street or in your classroom. And God has called you there for a reason, to be an influence for his kingdom. The last thing that God has called us to be is a reproducing church. A reproducing church. What God has done here does not just terminate on us, that we're a life's holy huddle, that we enjoy all his blessings and that's it. He wants us to reproduce. All healthy living things reproduce. That's just what they do. And we are to be the same. Jesus, when he came, he trained disciples. He took those 12, and then we see many more behind that as well, the group who are following him. And as he goes up into heaven, he says, go, make disciples of all nations. All nations, go. And if we read through the book of Acts, we see that being worked out. Even in the difficult situations, the death of Stephen, when he was the first Christian martyr, we see even out of horrible situations, the church multiplies and grows. We look in, uh, if you go to Acts chapter 13, you see a series of churches being planted in town after town as Apostle Paul goes round planting churches more and more and more. We find Paul's charge to Timothy where he says to him, what I've, what I've given to you, give to faithful men who can then teach others. You see four generations there of reproduction where Paul, Timothy, the faithful men and then others. We are to take what we have learned and we are to pass it on to others. And we are to reproduce ourselves um, individually, as in we want to see more people come to know Jesus and to grow as disciples, and we all play our part in that, in growing ourselves, but then leading others as well. And we want to grow corporately, sorry, reproduce corporately in planting churches, planting other churches. We haven't got there yet, but I feel we're getting closer because God has called us to it. And one of the ways he spoke to us about this very specifically, you've heard me mention this before if you've been here a while, is uh, through the strawberry plant. God spoke to me and Melanie before we came to plant the church four times on four different occasions from four different people. He said, as you go to start this church in Sutton Coldfield, we were moving across the country. He said, your church is going to be like a strawberry plant. 
which sounded interesting, but I didn't know anything more than that. And you suddenly look up what strawberry plants are. And strawberry plants are fascinating because you plant one and it grows and it produces fruit, which is wonderful. But what they do is then they send out these things called runners, which are shoots which go across the ground. And what happens when a runner goes across the ground? It goes into the ground. And what happens? A new plant is produced. And that then produces fruit and so on and so forth. And you see a multiplication And I remember when I looked this up on Wikipedia, because that's where I go to find things out, strawberry plant, send, enter. Oh, that's what happens. Goodness gracious. That's what God's called us to. And I remember I was out for a walk one time, and I came across a patch of wild strawberries just there. And I remember looking at them and thinking, you couldn't see where one plant starts and the other one finished because of all these runners that have gone out and plants and fruit. And it was incredible. And I felt God say, that's what I'm going to try and do with you guys. That's what's going to happen. You're going to reproduce. You're going to do fruit. But actually, you're going to plant churches. And you're going to bless others. And other things are going to go, come from you and go out and do things. And so that is what God has called us to. And so God, we have our purpose to be all about Jesus. And we have our direction. We're to be large, influential, and reproducing. Not for our glory, not for our fame, but because he alone gets all the glory he alone is worthy and I remember when we came to sort of start the church I remember preaching this literally this same message um, to a room and there were like eight people in it well there was seven I was the one doing it so I'm I'm looking at a less and a kid mine (laughs) Levi kind of toddling around thinking it was ridiculous how could we possibly do these things but only God can and so everything you see here is beyond us as leaders it's all about God's grace at work in our lives and so that's just a quick reminder if you're new here that would be the first time if you've been here a while you will have heard this but I'm going to keep going on about it because I want to keep us on the same path the same passage and keep following what God has called us to now particularly this year we're in the final stages of 2019 I worked out this morning I hope this is correct 115 days till Christmas (laughs) <laughs> there's a dual response there there were a few like yeah and there were a few like Ugh. hey there's facts don't shoot the messenger that's, that's what it said I, t- I literally typed in on my internet days till Christmas thing pops up 115 days that's what it says it's a fact let's deal with it um, but what I want to do is just recap some of the things God has been pointing to us this year I started this in January and there were three things that God reminds us about a choice, a challenge, and a call, some prophetic stuff. And I just want to put those for, and then I want to do a kind of a let's get real about this for the final section um, of this year. The first one, the choice. God spoke to us, uh, mentally brought a word to us about, effectively said, as we go deeper, he will build higher. As we go deeper, he will build higher. And that's kind of been a bit of a theme for us this year. The image was a building site. And actually, if you want to build something tall... Uh, a house or you go bigger block of flats bigger skyscraper the bigger the building the deeper the foundations you need to build down before you can build up and that's just that's just an architectural fact that's just builders know that but God spoke to us and said actually if you want to see a building here big in terms of the church and what I'm doing here you want a great work here you need to go deeper with me And there was a choice put before us. Are you willing to go deeper? Are you willing to go deeper with me? Are you willing in times of worship to go deeper with me? Are you going to make that choice to do that? Because that's what it boils down to. What are you willing to do? When we gather together 
to worship? Are you willing to make deeper? As you gather in your small groups, are you willing to go deeper and be vulnerable in what you share and how you're dealing with people? In terms of your workplace and things that come across your path, are you willing to take the chance? If God nudges and saying, I'm just going to go deep with you and I'm going to step into that because I feel a prompt to speak out about that, to act into that situation, are you willing to go deeper? And we're not talking about putting on more activities and programs. We're talking about in what we're currently doing. Are you willing to make that choice to step in deeper with him? The second thing God said to us at the beginning of the year was a challenge. And that was something that Phil brought about um, reminding us that he can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. And are you willing to believe that? Are you willing to have faith? Are you willing to step into that? Are you willing to believe God for more of Jesus, more of his kingdom, and more people to meet him? And we put together a sermon series just for the summer. We titled More, 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 where we particularly focused on this area and actually thought, this is what it means to come in church. Are we going to step into this? Are we willing to look for these opportunities and go after more of God? If you missed that, maybe you want to do a catch-up because we had a bunch of people come up here and just share some of the things that God had used them in their workplaces. And they were diverse and different, and it was wonderful to hear that. And the final th- thing was a call to be part of this house. Ben, senior, one of the, um, the leaders in the church, felt that sense from the story of where, um, you remember the story where Mary and Joseph lose Jesus? Um, on the way home, he's not there, and they're suddenly panicking. Can you imagine what that would be like? Losing a child is bad enough. When that child is the Messiah, can you imagine what those prayers have been like? God, you know that child you gave us who's the savior of the world do you have a spare because we lost him and we find mary and joseph frantic and then where do they find jesus back at the temple in his father's house and they're like and jesus talking to his parents i can imagine mary and joseph just frazzled and they find him and he's there and he's conversing with the teachers of the law and they're like jesus where have you been and jesus said well i'm in my father's house where else would i be And there was a prompt in that story for us to say, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be plugged in? And there was a call for us to be part of God's house, part of God's church, part of his family. Be plugged into that. And for most of you here in this room, this will be your expression. This will be your local kind of church congregation. But if you're a visitor, a guest, it will be somewhere else. Wherever it is, it doesn't matter. Be plugged in there. Be connected there. Be part of what's going on. Do not be a ninja Christian. Ninja Christians sneak in, sneak out, and no one knows who you are. And no one knows what's going on in your life. Don't be that. Be Christians who are known, who are plugged in, who are part of it. Find a church that works for you, that you want to be connected in, that you love where they're going, you're willing to follow the leaders, you love what they're a part of, and you make that your home. And that church then becomes a place of growth and development for you a place of community where you belong and you are known. And there was a call for us all to be plugged in, to stop sort of sitting around the edges and get stuck in to what it is. And we've had a few people, uh, I just want to highlight, uh, who are getting plugged into what we're doing here and learning, growing and developing. Uh, and the first one is Gemma Buck. Is she in the room? Is she out with Karen? Gemma Buck is coming back from maternity leave and is our youth team leader which is exciting. So she's coming back in, getting stuck in and taking on the youth. She's been out for a while um, having um, a baby, Noah, and getting all that done. But she's coming back and she's getting plugged in and she's taking on our youth work sort of from now, September, 
and being the youth team leader, and we're thrilled about that and to give that kind of some focus and direction. We've got some people doing some training. Katie Crisp is in the second year of her leadership training, and Pete Hackett is just going to start it in uh, now, September, going to be starting some uh, training that she's doing. Um, we've got uh, Becky Phillips is going to be... Um, coming and helping us, doing some training, and giving some voluntary time to help us as a church, um, and doing, and we're trying to work that around her ailments and everything, and make that work, so we're excited about that, and Joe Davis, who is sitting at the back there, he's on this, going on to the second year of TSM, he shared some stuff on the, with him and Anna shared on the more, 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 but he's been asked to go back and help on the second year, and help lead that, and seeing that growth and development, which we're really excited about, and we'll hear a little bit more about that kind of over the year, so please go and chat to him about that. So there's lots of stuff going on. All right, now I want to finish with let's get real. Let's get real. Well, I want to be honest with you. I know it's hard because we're in church, but let's just see if we can be honest together, reflecting on what God has called us to, where we're going as a church, what God specifically said to us. What are we going to do with this, people of God, as we close out 2019? Well, there's two things. One of them um, I mentioned last week. And that was coming about coming ready on a Sunday. If you were here last Sunday, we finished our uh, sermon series on the Psalms of Ascent, Life's Playlist. It was the last one. It was about worship and coming and giving our best in worship and that kind of thing. And I just laid out some stuff to us as a church that I'm pleased to see some of you took on board this week, which was fantastic. And the fact that God is calling us to more and calling us to deeper and being plugged in and that kind of challenge that we have to face and what choice are we going to make out of that I talked to us about what it means for us working here on a Sunday. How do we kind of respond to that corporately as part of this gathering, this meeting together? And I talked about us getting in the room, getting ready, getting our hearts ready, being here on time and kind of getting as near to the front as you can and being ready to go and say, when we walk to worship, when the band are there, we are all together saying we are going to give glory to Jesus. And it wasn't because we want to just do something kind of legalistically or we want to do it because the band have been working hard and we want to just be nice and we're doing it because of who we've come to worship because Jesus is the one we've come to put our eyes on and he is worthy of our praise and so that's the motivation behind it not any human kind of legal thing but actually it's Jesus we're coming to worship so let's come give him our best let's make every effort we can to come get here get ready worship and be on the front foot ready to go and so that's what I talked about last time, talking about worship. The next thing I want to talk about and get real about is if we're going to take seriously what God has said to us and what we're going to do, we need to be a church who pray. We need to be a church who pray. We need to come together and worship, but we also need to be a church who pray. We cannot expect God to do more amongst us if we do not pray. We cannot sit here and say, we want God to do more, we want to go deeper, if we are not a church who prays. If we are not a church who comes to God and asks him to fulfill his word to us. Why? Because prayer is an act of total dependence. It says that I cannot achieve this, I cannot do this, I have to go to someone who can. I have to go to a higher, greater power than myself And it is a great killer of pride and self-sufficiency, which is one of our idols in the West. Something that we all cling to. We can sort this out. We know the answer. We're smart, educated, 
globally speaking, very wealthy. We can sort a lot of things out, but prayer cuts all that down and says, actually, no, we can't. We can't do this. We need your help, Lord. It says to God, if you don't show up, we're done for. If you don't come and do this, it won't happen. There will be no healings. There will be no salvation. There will be no provision, no breakthrough. We need him. Now, God is gracious and good, and he does stuff anyway. But our response as a people, our responsibility as God's people is to pray. Is to call out to him, to call out to him for more. Prayer is not an optional extra. It is an essential, a vital part of being God's people. It is not something uh, reserved for the super Christian, the mature Christian, the experienced Christian, the professional Christian. It is for all of God's people. Jesus said to his followers, when you pray, not if. And our response when God speaks to us, first and foremost, should always be prayer. God says something, we, we pray it back to him. We say to God, you said this, so I'm going to pray back, do it. Do what you said you were going to do. Make it happen. Make it come about. And for us, the church, one of the ways we work this out, not the only way, but the way I just want to look at is our weekly, uh, is our prayer meeting that we gather every third week as a body to pray, to give this back to God. Our next one's uh, Tuesday week. And I just want to put it before you. If we want to be a church who want to see more of God and him do more and be everything he has called us to be, we need to be a church who prays. And we put this kind of in the ground from when we started the church. We built into prayer. We built prayer into our life groups. Every time we gathered, we would pray. We then thought, that's not enough. And so actually every third week, we stopped the life groups and brought, said, everyone come together just to pray. We know you're all free because you'd have been at life group. So just come to one place and we're going to focus on just one of those things. We're going to pray and we're going to do it because it's that important. And I want to put some things before you, just some kind of questions. How do you feel about the prayer meetings? You might be fearful of them. Your response might be kind of a fear like, do you know what? I just find them intimidating because, do you know what? Praying out loud just scares me. Or basically, I don't know how to pray out loud because I don't do it very often. It's just something, maybe I'm new to it. I'm not familiar with it. It just makes me feel awkward. And I say, I know what that's like. I've been there. (laughs) I've been there. I've done that. I've been in situations where you think everyone around you kind of knows Jesus personally. And they're like on like speed dial. And I feel like I'm just, I'm nowhere. But do you know what I found? One of the best ways to get around that is to go and pray. And because the way I learned to pray was by listening to others. I got around people who knew how to pray and I sat and earwigged while I was praying And I use that as a way of training myself. How do I get better while I listen to others? And the reality is when you're fearful and awkward, you might think when you pray, everyone's looking down and you're thinking, well, you know, the ones I went through is my prayer sounded silly, didn't sound right. And I can tell you that doesn't happen. People don't think that. People just love the fact that you're praying, the fact that you're there. You've got nothing to be worried about. The Bible says you weren't given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. And all the enemy wants to do is stop you praying. And he'll do everything he can to make you feel insecure and well, um, uncertain about it. And I want to encourage you, come. Come pray with us. Learn. Grow. Make a choice to go deeper. And come and pray with us. There'll be some of you here, maybe not fearful, they're just ignorant. 
You're just not, not aware of the importance of prayer. Maybe you've been around it and you've seen it and you've just seen it as one of those things that you can do and you can choose. I can do this, I can do that, and I just haven't chosen to do it. I want to tell you, don't be ignorant. Change your mind now. Change your heart. Repent. Turn around. Prayer is vital. Prayer is important. Jesus, even, even Jesus prayed, which says something. The man who, who was fully man, fully God, perfect in every way, prayed. And he showed his disciples that he prayed. He taught them how to pray. Even when he was facing the worst night of his life before his crucifixion, what was he doing? He was praying. And if he does it, we need to do it as his followers because we're nowhere near on his level. So there's, there's no need to be ignorant. Read the word. Read the New Testament. Go through one of the Gospels. Highlight all the times Jesus prayed. Read one of the, the, um, the letters from Paul. Paul even writes his prayers in his letters of, of, of example of prayer. The third thing, some of you are just lazy. Some of you are just lazy. Get up, grow up. You're too tired, everyone is. You're too busy, everyone is. You don't want to go out on a week, uh, weeknight, you'd rather have it off. Everyone feels like that. I lead the meetings and I feel like that. Seriously, when it comes to quarter away, I'm just like, oh, I could so do without this getting up it's getting colder and darker it's going to get harder but i say get up get out come pray with us come go make a choice we're actually going to do a series next term hopefully we're looking at uh, on the lord's prayer so we'll have a bit more focus on this as well but in the meantime let's get praying let's get doing this thing and i want to just add in a caveat as well um, for this that i just say we're not i am aware that some of you with couples it's not easy to both of you to come out and pray. That's fine. One of you saying, I wear some of you, uh, some of you have physical ailments that prevent you. I'm aware of that, age and stuff. I'm aware of that. Some of you work night shifts and other things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking generally speaking, if you have a, a kind of a normal job and you're relatively healthy, you can come to these things. Please make those, that effort. Also on top of that, um, some of us as leaders have committed to fast as well on those days. Fasting, again, is actually not an optional extra um, that um, Jesus put in. He says, when you fast. Oh, man, darn, that's something we should be putting in. So we decided on those Tuesdays we were going to fast, which means when you fast, you give up food, and then you replace it with prayer. It's not dieting. We say, I'm just going to have no chocolate or whatever. No, it's giving something up and then replacing it with some time of prayer. Miss a meal. Some people want to fast all day. It doesn't matter. Please do not do that. If you are pregnant, if you have a medical condition, or if you're over 70, Minimum, consult your doctor at the very least. But if you are in relatively good health, um, please consider joining us in that praying and putting, um, giving up food and doing that. If we want to see more, this is one of the things we need to do. I remember um, it, was, it was a few years ago that we go, we go to these leaders' things and you sit and listen and people talk about transforming the church and how do you kind of move the church on and all those kind of questions. And it's one of those sort of silver bullets leaders look for. How do I change it? How do I move the church onto the next level? How do I do those things and get people there? And I remember being, being convicted. I thought there were two things that we could do to transform this church. Two things. And they're actually relatively easy. The first one is give ourselves to worship on a Sunday. And the second one is come and pray. If we do those two things, it will transform this church. Because out of worship and prayer, God moves. 
God speaks. Your life, you are transformed. Something changes within you. And if you are transformed more into the light of Jesus, then out of that, you are more um, effective in wherever God has placed you. And so my heart is that we would be a church that worship and pray. And out of that, God will do more, much more with us. We will show more love and mercy and grace to those around us. We will be more encouraging than those around us. We will be more generous than those around us. We will offer to pray for the sick because we've been in the presence of God. We will be willing to talk to our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones and encourage them and step out in those things. Anna and Joe were sharing on the, um, the More, More, More series. So they, they always want to start collecting stories. Can you wave at the back? Anna and Joe, they're at the back. We want to collect stories of what God has been doing us. We want to call them more, more, more stories. People who've just stepped out. And we're going to do that by worshipping and praying. And then God will use us. Because God is going to do more from a place of worship and prayer. And I want to encourage you. Let's get real as we finish 2019. Four months left. Let's take this seriously. Let's go after God and just ask him to do something. I don't know what it is. I don't want to box him in, but I just want to say, God, I want more. I want more of you. I want more of your kingdom, and I want more people to know you for themselves. Amen. Can we stand up? Can the band come up? I'm going to pray, and we're going to worship. That's good, isn't it? It's like I plan this stuff. Um, Maybe you just want to close your eyes. I'm going to pray while those musicians get ready. Lord Jesus, we want to start at this moment and recognize this is all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you being the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's about you being our Savior, the one who redeemed us from the pit, who saved us from our sins, who took the punishment that we deserved who is now ruling and reigning in authority over all things, God. And we want to say we love you and we praise you above everything, Lord Jesus. That's what this is all about. It's all about giving you the glory and making your name known. And we want to know you better ourselves. We want to go deeper and we want others to go deeper too. Lord God, we've had so much of you. We've experienced so much of you, but we humbly stand here and say we want more of that. We want more of you. We want more of your kingdom in our lives. Lord Jesus, and we're going to make a choice right here and now to go deeper with you. Because as, you go, as we go deeper, you can build higher. Lord Jesus, we want to say we love you. Lord, we praise you. We give ourselves to worship now for your glory alone. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.